we're back. And today we're going to be dealing um, with a zombie film. This is in honor of The Dead Don't Die, a truly terrible um, <laughs> zombie spoof by Jim Jarmusch. Um, we could subtitle this, Jim Jarmusch is trying to kill off the zombie film um, if we wanted to. But we're also, since you know, we need to make up for the fact that we, we didn't we didn't do our full um, summer schlockfest rundown of the movies that are coming up, other than talking about Godzilla and John Wick 3, um, we're just going to quickly before that do a, a kind of rundown on on what you have to look forward to or not um, in the upcoming summer movies. And, you know, two that are already playing that, that we think we should mention and talk about before we get into what's cu- coming up are um, The Last Black Man in San Francisco and Yesterday. So those two are out now. Um, let's start with with Last Black Man. Um, it's, it, it, it's coming did out it, of... Sorry, did, did it make you miss San Francisco? <laughs> the trailer? Uh, no, I, I fled. I fled the Bay Area, right. you know, because for the very reasons that they're talking about, mainly for the very reasons that they're talking about, which is it's become utterly unaffordable. I mean, you just... Ha- more and more it's impossible they're making it impossible to live there they're gentrifying everything the tech crowd has taken over i literally lived in an apartment building with really young like tech guy tech bro types who owned lotuses and like the the most splendid fancy motorcycles i don't know the names you ever saw in your life i mean just incredible you could just tour you know tour the parking garage if you wanted to see (laughs) state-of-the-art vehicles and there's our beat-up mazda you know and we just it was time to go we had to go no way we could live there um so you know i might you know i completely am for this like and I, when i heard the title last black man in san francisco i thought this is going to be great i thought it was really going to be angry and ferocious and maybe ferociously satirical or something but it was going to really be hard edged and so i was very disconcerted by the tone of at least the trailer who knows what the yeah. what the movie's going to be because sometimes they really um change for the sake of marketing what the effect of the movie is going to be but it was very it's very beautiful very beautifully shot very lush and gorgeous looking um and it's very very solemn and lugubrious and super serious it reminds me a lot of barry jenkins if beale street could talk that's also gorgeous yeah also gorgeous and also very very solemn and and the the if you know the novel by james baldwin all the the harsher, angrier edge of the thing had kind of been planed off. And so it's, it's very sad. It's very tragic, but it's that kind of feeling mired in, 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 yeah, the deeply sad. Yeah. But that's what I thought of Barry Jenkins and Moonlight and the Bill Street could talk. It, I wonder if uh, the director, I looked up, it's uh, his directorial debut. Uh-huh. And I wonder if they take cues or he took cues from Barry Jenkins because Barry Jenkins is such a, is such a like success. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Very prominent. Right yeah. Now. He did, he did hugely well in film festivals. I think he got the top prize. I'm forgetting what that's called. At Sundance. At Sundance. Yeah. yeah. And so he, he's, it's a big, like, this guy's going places. What the heck is his name? I'm forgetting. <laughs> I looked Joe, it up. Joe Talbot. That's I it. Joe it Talbot. Yeah. So, yeah. But again, it's, uh, I don't know, to me, it's all very kind of mushy. Takes away from the I, story. I know. It's. I, I think we just both have the same tendency. I per- Personally, I have a problem with the big sad. Why? It's, you know, the end times. We don't have time for this shit. <laughs> for me, it's just like, 
I don't like the feeling that it generates. I read some of the reviews. They're almost uniformly good. And you can just tell that people kind of love the wallow. They love like, oh, yeah, what a tragic. They love that kind of feeling. And it makes me so uncomfortable because it's like, is that is it the time for that kind of feeling? I'm like, oh, yeah, the last of the dodo, the last black person who can afford to live. I just hate that. I think there should be such rage coming off the screen. And, and again, I, maybe the movie will, ha- will have that. I don't know. But it's, certainly it's not sounding – the trailer's not like that and the, um, um, the, the, what, the reviews aren't making it sound as if that's what it's about. It's about, if you don't know, the, you know it's quite literal. It's about um, you know young black guy. His grandfather had owned a house in San Francisco. His father lost the house and he and his friend are kind of determined to recover the house, which is going to be virtually impossible. Um, so it's it's kind of taking it very literally like you know there at one point there is a close-up on him as he says well you know I, I i they can't defeat me i can't go i'm the last i'm the last one like last of the mohicans time um so very solemn though throughout so i don't know made me very uneasy as but it seemed like it's almost too savvy a move i think that and that's why it's playing. That's why it's maybe going to do well. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. To me, even again, only watched the trailer, but it mm. felt very like not not irreverent. Oh, that's not why at all. I bet people like it. Not in the least. No, very, mm-hmm. very, very solemn. And and again, this this ads. I, I think it's a bad move, but we'll see how it does. I mean, I, it seems like the Boots Riley move isn't going to get taken up, which was what I was hoping. <laughs> like the angry, satirical, funny, punchy, and then in the end we need to, we need revolution now kind of thing that I thought maybe could kick off something. I, so far I'm not seeing it. So too bad. Too bad. Too bad. All right. Which brings us to also really too bad. (laughs) Yesterday, um, (laughs) which is the one you've probably seen. Of all things, it's a Danny Boyle movie. And it's all about, you know, a young guy who, I don't know, falls and hits his head and gets propelled into an alternate universe where there never were any Beatles. The Beatles never lived. So, But he knows all their songs. So, of course, he's pretty soon going to be celebrated as the greatest singer-songwriter who ever lived because he's got all the Beatles songs. Um, uh, apologies to my friend, my friend Sue. She she really wants to see it. I almost feel a sense of horror that this is going to be a really popular hit because I just watched that and I'm just like aghast because, you know, Danny Boyle, you did 28 Days Later. Speaking of zombie films, that is a great zombie film. Started strong with, you know, train spotting. What has happened to you, man? <laughs> What's happened? Yeah, well, aged and got yeah. some see now. Yes, you've got a dementia theory. <laughs> yeah, Directors that's, that's my theory. That I think we can continue to apply to, to Jim Jarmusch <laughs> when we get to him. But um, yeah, it might, it might explain it. But it's so soft and so like, and that premise, how can you keep working on that premise? Because, you know, even in the preview, you're sick of the premise by the end of it because it's nothing yeah. but him singing Beatles songs to people. And them saying to him, that's the greatest song I've ever heard. Yeah, and but doesn't it fit the moment of this nostalgia? Everyone have this nostalgia. nostalgia. All this movies made as a kind of, again, member berries, which I bring up reference from yeah. <laughs> South Park. But yeah, it's all this nostalgia porn. And that fits perfectly into it, which is just, I can't believe people are doing that. I don't know. One of my theories was with this nostalgia porn is that people who make them, they're kind of like in their later years. And that's what 
they remembered were cool. I don't know. Is it something about the cultural moment? They make movies that center around the culture of their youth. But yeah. I don't know. Danny Boyle, I think he's a bit too young to be to be too much of a beetlehead. <laughs> unless I unless I, I misunderstood. Unless there's just a presumption that the, the world is a Beatle fan, you know, that yeah. it's it's universal or something. But yeah, really or he just made it for money. Because I wonder it's not his screenplay it looks like. But I don't know. That just I'm trying to like save his reputation. <laughs> Yeah, we just have to ask, I think, you know, what the hell are you thinking, Danny Boyle? But you might be right. I'm thinking he's thinking box office. That could possibly be true. Yeah. I, yeah. It's starting to, I mean, I've seen so many, we've been talking before we started on how many bad previews we've seen. You know, if you go to one movie, they show you 20 previews and you just cannot believe what they're trying to shove down people's throats this summer. It's so awful. So my two films, I'll just say right off the bat, the two upcoming that I'm planning to see for sure. One <laughs> is Crawl. <laughs> Because <laughs> you got to have one really just, you know, outrageously entertaining, but, you know, almost content free summer film. It's about a giant alligator who's terrorizing people who are caught after some Category 5 hurricane in, in Florida. You know, they're caught in this rural community. It's a father and daughter trying to survive. And there's a giant, you know, alligator after them. <laughs> And I have to just note, call out my a favorite actor, Barry Pepper, is the lead as the father. Uh, I follow him as as much as I follow a guy named Jackie Earl Haley. They're these two great American actors. They both look like oldie timey Americans. They're really kind of raw boned looking and kind of weird. You can put them in the 1930s. You can put them in the 1860s. They look they look like weird old America. And Pepper is like some crazed Scientologist. He was in battle. What was it called battle. Battle Earth with John Travolta and stuff, um, but but he's he's always good. Um, he started off as the sniper in in Saving Private Ryan way back when, and while everyone else was like, "Ooh, Matt Damon," I was like, "Ooh, Barry Pepper." So anyway, I'm going to see it for that reason. And then the other one is the movie event probably of the summer, which is the uh, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the Quentin Tarantino film that's coming out um, July oh, 26th. Did you mention that it's produced or exactly produced by Sam Raimi? Oh, I forgot. I forgot. <laughs> yeah, that's like that looks like sort of Kennedy slightly dumbed down Raimi film. Yes, I thought in fact it was directed by him because his name no, was in no. such big letters. But it does turn out he's he's only producing. Um, yeah, but it's a Sam Raimi film as well. And yeah, you know he he started with Evil Dead. He's he's all all about the entertainment. <laughs> But the other is the Tarantino film, I, I'm, and that is looking good. The, the, they've cut a new trailer for it. It looks it looks even better. Um, the cinematography is stunning. It's so seventies. I mean, so so late sixties. It really brings you there. It's set, I guess, in sixty nine, and you know, it's showing that kind of complicated levels of the story more. There's more. There's more characters caught up in the death of the studio system. You've got a. a kind of 50s western type actor played by Leonardo DiCaprio his stuntman um, played by Brad Pitt you've got the Sharon Tate figure Margot Robbie um, but you know, and everyone is turned out is in this film just there's a cast of thousands I mean there's El Pacino I'm trying to think of all the the amazing um, little cameo moments that there were there were so many great actors Luke Perry the late Luke Perry it's his last part um, it's like three or four more amazing people are just showing up to do a couple of scenes it looks like yeah well one thing it definitely looked entertaining and they're like great actors and i an interesting kind of take on the stuntman that finally gets to be almost like the second leading man in a movie like mm -hmm. you know but because you're usually just 
no one any addresses yeah. this time, and then nobody's and no one like really talks about them and whatever. Mm-hmm. But but it's still again, Tarantino's doing nostalgia thing, unless unless it's like somehow ties it all back together in a, an interesting way, which is not just pure nostalgia. I don't know how. Well, it will I think the Manson murders as one of the straight. You know, there's the, the shock shot at the end of the, your lead characters meeting Charles Manson who of course had that's right was trying to crash the music business knew didn't sort of hang on the fringes of Hollywood circles so that's quite that's that's accurate as far as it goes um so that's like oh this is how you're going to perhaps get away from, and it and it's all like a bad time it's all you know DiCaprio's character floundering around trying to survive the transition from the 50s to the late 60s which is almost impossible because the whole culture the whole yeah. t- the types of movies all change um and what people will will put up with um really changes and he's you know he's he's looking at a failed career i guess it's nostalgia just because you know it's being constantly reviewed as a love letter to Hollywood, but it's an odd love letter that mm-hmm. that is going to deal in the Manson murders because, you know, the Manson murders seem to put a kind of finish, um, a kind of uh, sordid, hideous, violent finish to the studio era in many ways, literally Old time stars moved out of Hollywood because of the Manson murders. Hmm. People like David they Niven. Moved? David Niven went and lived back to Europe, or they they just oh. they would leave leave town because it wasn't what they regarded. They all all talked about themselves as folksy and living in an industry town and being almost regular folks, just richer. And you know, he mm-hmm. had neighborhoods, and they all hung out together and everything. And then and then just all of a sudden, it's all gone, and they don't want it. You yeah. know, Doris Day literally said, "I." She said something awful, actually. She was she was old, you know, something borderline racist about the streets are now full of foreigners. <laughs> and she so she moves down to Carmel, you know, and you just start getting this exodus out of out of Hollywood, of the old Hollywood crowd after mm. that. Then, yeah, it's an interesting then, I guess, take on the whole story. It looks like it creates an atmosphere that for me is yeah. impressive. It looks like it's this the first shot. You're just like, OK, this is somebody who's doing something specific and not the usual, you know, whatever slap together stuff we're used to getting where everything looks True. like everything. Yeah, it's just so also kind of like uppity because I saw the trailer uh, mm-hmm. before the movie theater before a movie. Actually, I finally watched Booksmart, but it says like <laughs> something like nine Tarantino like ninth movie. Oh, he's done that know? from the beginning. He numbers know, all, all of his films. Right. Yeah, it's it is pompous. <laughs> I know. I almost forget. The, I actually know only the other. I, I think only Kim Ki Duk does that. Like I, I know oh, really. Few, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's always like I don't know that eleventh movie by Kim Ki Duk. Oh, really? <laughs> it's always, and I'm not a fan of his. Very pompous. Uh huh. But anyway, yeah. All right. But that doesn't take away from the art, obviously. So it can be like a great ride. I, I, yeah, admittedly, I, I'm gonna go see it. I hope. I hope we can devote some time to talking about Tarantino because, believe me, For sure. I've never been sold. You know, when the movie comes out, I've never been sold on him. He's such a troubling figure to like. He he he's almost impossible. He makes it very hard to like him. But then he'll bring you back. The next film will come out. Yeah. You'll get drawn back in. All of a sudden you're like, but hell, that part was great. Or these six scenes or sometimes even the whole thing. It's, I don't know. We'll have to, we'll have to get into Tarantino. True, true. I, and I have to like, I don't know. I think I guess some, I have some kind of preconceived <laughs> notions. I should look at, at him with some kind of fresher eyes. Well, no, like. we can we can totally rip yeah. into him. I mean, he's so rippable, man. If you read, I read one of his scripts. What was it for? 
uh, oh, for Django Unchained, which I was so okay. eager to see. And it was the dumbest. I'm telling you, <laughs> of course, it doesn't all make it to the, the way he puts it in his like direction, you know, the directing, mm-hmm. the, talking about the uh-huh. action. If that doesn't make it into the film, but it's so like, it's like some teenager writing. It's, but it's, he is, seems like uh, a teenage, he, what do you call those? Like, you know, like he seems like a teenager in a man's body. Yeah. Unfortunately, he really does. And it's like a Frankenstein's but, monster body on top of Honey, it. Yeah, <laughs> true, true, true. <laughs> Not even the cute teenager. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I admit it. It's, it's, he's, yeah. he's a problem. <laughs> oh, God. We can be really mean to him. He has, like, clearly, like, talent and drive, but there's something very off putting. Oh, God. Yeah. About oh, no. like, we can definitely rip into him if we want to. But again, I always say he's too, technically, he's just too good. He's too he's good. really great. You gotta watch the movie. Yeah, yeah. He's. I guess he was such a dork watching all those films. He clearly just like cannot stop himself from referencing. Yeah, he will never, obviously, (laughs) part with that. No, (laughs) no. no. I mean, I, I. Yeah, that's honest. That's like a way to go. Absolutely. Oh, before I guess to move on, because mm. I did you watch the trailer since we're reviewing trailers? Mm. Downtown Abbey was it the movie? Oh yes, favorite? I forgot that one. Oh my god! I was god. kind of laughing. I almost felt like I, if I might get high enough, I can watch it in a movie theater. It was so to me. <laughs> funny. hilarious. Yes, I think that's a great idea. Drugs is the only <laughs> way. Because- yeah, but, <laughs> but the thing is, because I was rem- remembering, and we both loved the favorite, and you wrote a review about right, it. Right, right. And this is like the opposite just if you do the take on the aristocracy i cannot believe this view is so like relevant and people can make serious kind of like i don't know dramas based on that world in this way yes it's just and reverend, the, the movie is so reverent but this is the plot <laughs> of the movie according to the trailer okay the royal family is gonna visit downton abbey and so Whoa. all you've just got endless <laughs> shots of like the servants being instructed every inch, you know, with toothbrushes, having to clean the banister, and and it's all being taken apparently seriously. Like we're all no, supposed I to be like, either. yeah, no. oh that's great! Wow, the royal family. I hope the dinner goes okay. I hope a servant doesn't make a mistake. You're just like, really? In what <laughs> era are we that anyone could possibly give a shit about this world? It's I don't know. Uh, it's baffling. At least in the oldie old the only version of this like on pbs with upstairs downstairs you had a some sense that there was an awareness that this was a problematic world (laughs) that like there was you were taking the servants seriously and this was kind of a ghastly world there was some sense of it now there's no sense of it it's just like isn't it great we're going to downton abbey I just uh, I'm baffled. How is it like? I don't know what's the cultural like, turn was. How is it possible even like from Woodhouse to move to this? I'm not even talking about um, what's his name, the Greek director. Um, well, oh, we have, we, what's it? <laughs> I always forget his name. Lanthimos, Yorgos uh, Lanthimos. Uh, Yorgos Lanthimos. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm not it. even talking about him. I'm talking about even the culture like way before that. I I thought it should be a bit. Like you can't, yeah, exactly. You can't play it. Yeah, recently it does seem like the American public has just embraced the British royal family and 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 just you know the upper crust of Great Britain in general to the to such a point that I don't remember. I don't remember that being true. I wonder if it has something to do, you know, because now, especially in the last what like three years since Trump Mm -hmm. was a president, you kind of like look down on your own so-called like for elite yeah. but you think that that old european way more tasteful yes. sort of like palette <laughs> colored dressed aristocracy yeah. were so much better 
Yeah, and, so and I don't think it's true. Let's put this way. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's no, not. there's a lot of being hung up on the classy, which really came out with Trump, though, that that's the worst thing about Trump. He's a vulgarian. Yeah, and but he doesn't hell? dress properly and he, he makes, you know, mistakes of grammar. <laughs> and you're like, really, that's what we want to focus on. But for a lot of people, that's like the ultimate and awful. That's the civility police and all this, that as long as you're mm. polite, you could do anything <laughs> and you know which fork to use. It's like, how did, how, how did we, how did America ever come to this? That is bizarre. Truly. Yeah, the worship of the royal, I think it started with Princess Diana and mm-hmm. it's just built ever since. It just, it, there's magazines, believe me, I have relatives who follow. Avidly, everything that happens with the royal family, they get up, you know, at the crack of dawn to watch the royal family weddings and the whole fucking nine yards. It's just so I'm too close for comfort there. I don't understand. Don't get it. Yeah, I, I don't get it either. So anyway, I don't know. we will we will take drugs and watch Downton Abbey <laughs> for a good time. Oh my god! Yeah, it's it's an astonisher. You'll you'll have to watch that. I hope you see the preview because really, my jaw was on the ground. Couldn't believe it. Um, one other that's that's slight got slight possibilities. Maybe is called the Art of Self Defense. It at least seems to kind of have a tone that's cool maybe might work out it's got jesse eisenberg playing kind of a character he's he's really locked down which is a kind of nebbish figure full of anxiety and i think he gets mugged or something and decides to take self-defense karate which is the funniest of all (laughs) self-defense modes and and there's some suggestion that as he gains confidence you know it's a dark comedy that things are gonna go in a very very dark and violent direction that you know it's not yet disclosed but it looks like i don't know it, it, it it's a promising preview i thought yeah i mean i i definitely found it like quirky enough but i i don't know it's it's fun to watch jay eisenberg been jay eisenberg but um yeah right <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i don't know decide some kind of newcomer right the director the director yeah what's his face again i keep forgetting riley Stearns. and again he's he's kind of got a, a kind of cult following um i guess i think he came out of the festivals i'm forgetting exactly um he hasn't done much this is a kind of proving ground film you know the the, the big gossip about him the, the thing i know mainly about him i looked him up and what will come up first if you google him is the scandal um involving his wife mary elizabeth um um, Winstead, who was a kind of up and coming uh, film actor for a while, um, she was in what was she in? Ah, oh, I forget. Um, ah, she had a she had a teen role that made it seem like she was going to be, um, you know, the next coming thing. Oh, Scott Pilgrim versus the World, and then she's done some other things like that, and she kind of disappeared because she married him, I guess, or did less high profile things. But she, anyway, she left him for Ewan McGregor, and. So there's hilarious the, uh, the hilarious fits being thrown by Riley Stern, who keeps like tweeting and Instagramming and carrying on about the loss of his wife um, in public. So he's gotten a lot of uh, <laughs> attention for this weird uh, love triangle among the you know rich and relatively famous um, going on. <laughs> so that's literally that's what you'll find if you Google him before you ever get to his movies. So. But it might be good. Again, dark comedy. I keep hoping there's going to be a dark comedy in our future that does something. Uh, and it so far, not happening. Yeah. Oh, so, so okay, yeah, go ahead. I, yeah, I just realized I um, uh, I think it's it's still playing Men in Black. 
Inter- International. Oh yeah, did you watch that trailer? Because I not yes. only watched the trailer, I actually watched the film. <laughs> oh my god, yes, tell. Yeah, and I can't like. <laughs> I have to say just a few words. Obviously, it's awful. Mm-hmm. Adding uh, Tessa Thompson to <laughs> to the film doesn't really save it. You know, there's no really story. It's very banal, boring, blah blah. But the thing that I kept um, like when I watched, I kept thinking that it truly is kind of especially this installment of the franchise it felt like the reverse of they live because in this one <laughs> no I, I swear because in, the, in they live right the, uh-huh. the elites are secretly right. most of them are aliens mm-hmm. and they're like horrible manipulative assholes uh-huh. and when you discover it, you supposedly kind of outraged and want to get rid of them right but here when the elites um are also somewhat like together with the aliens mm. they're like the coolest the hippest um kind of like crowd you can find oh. it's, like, it's like a very hip looking film with very hip looking aliens even more hip than before the oh, alien wow. part of it you know and it definitely has like the illuminati feel to it and tessa thompson plays at first it's like a, there's some kind of young i don't know seven year old girl that plays her and uh, she backs in and meets an alien who's visiting uh, the earth and then she remembers him I think she helps him out a little bit mm-hmm. and then boom it's Seth Thompson she's like whatever 30 something and she's been looking for this organization that works with aliens ever since and she mm-hmm. finally finds it that like in short and she joins it she she, she manages mm-hmm. to being hired and and it's plays again fully straight the aliens are amazingly cool in the fact that there's some kind of secret service collaborating with them. It's wow. like uber cool in the fact that you can join it. It's even like the coolest thing that can happen. I'm like, how is it even, you know? Wow, <laughs> the story baffling. doesn't hold much. <laughs> but, but again, whatever. It's like there's like somewhat like a, I guess, of an entertaining spectacle. But the the live kind of comparison the reverse of that wow really, yeah I, I couldn't let go of the fact that it really felt that is interesting yeah <laughs> like that reverse you should yeah, write because, about that hmm well you oh you should watch and you can you well you like uh, carpenter so you probably would you can you can have an more like in-depth take on it if you decide oh, to watch hmm. it but then i'd Which have is, to watch the new men in black it looks terrible yeah and i used to yeah. like the men in blacks too i like the first yeah. what two, the first one is funny yeah and this one feels like written by like a very woke uh corporation or writing room with Ugh, i don't know yeah. 10 people basically doing some kind of progressive yeah. so-called progressive pc stuff and they it like the movie filled with weird like ideology of today of literally today it might change the year later so it's just very just extremely boring yeah that looks that i have to say that looks really dreadful yeah yeah yep 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 yep. and tessa thompson is in everything now i i hope she breaks through to major stardom because they're giving her like nine million films and tv shows for that reason and she seems good she just got a great face too you just she's super watchable so i don't know Ah, i know i keep thinking it's gonna happen that yeah. one isn't going to do it though hmm. no but so, yeah so that's the last unless you want to oh, talk no, about one more just to the last yeah. preview let's just qu- talk quickly about the kitchen and then we'll be done oh all right yeah. the kitchen was the craziest preview i've seen in a long time just for going what the hell is happening it's got melissa mccarthy and uh elizabeth moss and there's well it's three women the plot who are who are wives of gangsters who wind up in prison and they wind it's the 1970s i don't know why we keep fixing i think you're right about the nostalgia thing there's this weird Mm -hmm. let's go back to the 70s thing and they they decide to take over their husband's turf and run 
run the gangs themselves. And so you go from a kind of me, these Me Too moments of you don't know what I'm made of kind of kind of scenes with the women to them counting vast amounts of money. And, and, and you're like, of all the casting in the world, Melissa McCarthy, she's really made a move, obviously, to be to get out of a kind of ghetto of really terrible comedies. She's very good, but the comedies she's in are just atrocious, almost all of them. And ever since she did, what was the one that she was nominated for an Oscar? What the hell was the name? Oh, Can You Ever Forgive Me? Which was excellent. Oh, and she fine. was excellent in it. It seems like she's really making a serious move now to get out of that. But this is such odd casting that you just sit there the whole time waiting for a, a comedy to break out. And yet it's they're, they're taking this premise absolutely seriously. So, you know, you've got Elizabeth Moss suddenly like pointing the gun and you're like, oh, yeah, I believe this, that women who've never you know, been involved other than as kind of onlookers, presumably um, um, having married gangsters suddenly from nowhere get mad because they're not being treated with respect and just take over uh, just like that with no, <laughs> I don't know. And, and it's all being t- taken apparently very seriously. I think there was one little joke for Melissa McCarthy, but otherwise. Yeah. And it's, I looked it up uh, after watching the trailer. It's written and directed by a woman. So it's like a, a tour film, sort of. <laughs> and it doesn't look like one at all. Again, it's, a, it yeah, it's very generic like looking. Extremely generic. I think, and also, yeah. what is this weird flip again? Very like Me Too. So now these women are uber strong. <laughs> Right. of gangsters I think like the whole thing is men who never done that type of job wouldn't be able to take over why what it just doesn't again it doesn't seem make any sense and I don't think it it actually adds to any kind of female empowerment or whatever it was supposed to do you know narratively yeah it's it's bizarre again if it had been a comedy you could have pulled off a kind oh, of fantastic sure. premise like that <laughs> so that's what is especially bizarre it's treating it very solemn it's very darkly lit it's like yeah. trying to be gritty and you're just like what are you do- what are you doing <laughs> especially you melissa mccarthy this no, this ain't gonna work for you um yeah, yeah. anyway i guess we're done with all this we're garbage a while. we've, we've but, locked it up we were thinking of generally the introduction to the episodes do probably much shorter but reviews of the upcoming trailers or the trailers of the upcoming movies mm. so i think we might keep doing those basically yeah especially as one if one strikes you is just like mm-hmm. you know mad or whatever like the downton abbey one really yeah, that's worth seeing yeah just for a, a total like disassociation you know like as a psychological um, experiment on yourself you should you should see that one but yeah so i think that's a good idea let's call them out as and what's weird about a lot of previews trailers sometimes they're brilliant sometimes they're of course way as everyone knows way better than the movie there's there's real talent because of course there's real money in marketing so you get these people who can really put together something that looks fabulous or hilarious or something and then of course you get to the movie and it's dreadful um so you never know with this stuff that's why reviewing these things and then making a bet is really hard but yeah but we just can have fun with it i mean we don't guarantee anything oh no god there's we can never guarantee anything because mm-hmm. even what we, you know, you might love Downton Abbey. What do we know? We might, you might love it. So 
I, I hope not. Um, all right. So let's move on to our zombie episode, um, starting with talking about Jim Jarmusch's The Dead Don't Die, which is doing terribly. I mean, it's just getting, you know, is fairly it, Yeah, ripped. the reviews are horrible. Even the I think are New almost, Yorker trashed yeah. it. Who, yeah. Who it's, it's got like a 50%-ish Rotten Tomato. It's still got, managed to pull out a few weirdly respectful reviews from people that you'd swear and hadn't seen the movie. But overall getting trashed, and I, I saw it basically – almost in an empty theater. I don't think it's doing very well and it deserves not to do well. Uh, what a fucking bore. Uh, it just drags beyond what you can believe. Even if you're a huge fan, as I am, of say Bill Murray, Bill Murray can pull off a lot, believe me. I mean, it's for so much of the movie, it's Bill Murray and Adam Driver as local cops in a small town in Pennsylvania, a tribute to there to Romero, George Romero. Um, they're just hanging around the station or hanging around the car talking and you know again the two of them are good at dry low-key humor um they can do a lot but they nothing can save this thing there's no there's no propulsive force there's no level of interest and it's the smuggest movie i've ever seen extremely smug it just it just has this lot because you know there's many people have mentioned this it's got a political supposedly angle where it's you know it's it's very end times it's zombies are are being unearthed in an end times way and everything is going all to hell environmentally and politically and every other way and there's many many references and little speeches about this but it's su- from such a tone of superiority of like liberal superiority you just cannot believe it you can't believe what's happening um it's really a loathsome perspective and to and to do that to the zombie film is 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 especially a sin i think yeah it's like killing the genre in a way what trying to kill it? It does seem like he's doing a kind of quote unquote spoof. Yeah. Though even that, it doesn't seem to be doesn't play like your typical spoof, where you're just trying to get laughs out of people recognizing the specifics of a, of genre, which can be really fun. This isn't you know it has references and stuff, but this isn't even really. And there's all, God help us, a ton of meta meta bullshit of people saying, "Why does that song sound so familiar?" Because it's, it's the this theme, theme song. song. Yeah. So he breaks the fourth uh. wall right that's what you call it but like breaking the fourth wall it just i don't know first of all when it worked i mean i guess if it's like a fully like farcical kind of thing which it is but it's just uh, in this case yeah it's just so lazily done you're just like what do you what are you doing it ain't the 90s anymore jim jarmusch and i know that's where you came up in the world but it's just nothing is tied together nothing oh poor chloe savini she has the third lead and she has nothing to do. I mean, t- nothing to do. Nothing to do that she has to do makes any sense. She never has a laugh line. She just, her only like shtick is to, is to get overly, not even overly, she just gets emotional while the other, the, the two male leads it are actually, always stoic. Yeah. And that's yeah, all she's I got thought, to do. But I thought actually about her character, like everything else in the film, it's, you know, everything's boring, but and not interesting, but ironic, extremely ironic. So I thought, she actually fits the bill of the emotional female who can't like deal when the crisis just like cries for help and but at least if you and look that's at- like it, that was supposed to be i think ironic well yeah but if you look at the romero tradition he goes exactly the opposite way one of the, one of his innovations is the woman is the tough one 
repeatedly. Yeah, but my point, Jeremish went. I th- I thought it was a take on a stereotype, un- un- unless he's a complete idiot. Because I thought it's just well, if it's just a horror take on film stereotype. stereotype. Yeah, sure. but that's what I thought it is. Well, just maybe. like a fully cliche of a horror of a of a female character in a horror film, which just like says like, what am I gonna do? I, I guess that's the most you can. The most you can say for it, yeah. And that's all Chloe Seminy does, not it? Yeah, that's all she does. That's all she does. Yeah, exactly. And so, so you know, even in a boring film, you know, she again, she does, she doesn't ever get a line, she doesn't get anything. And you know, there's a lot of bringing people in who are well. There's a cast of like a hundred <laughs> practically real, really well known people who clearly came for a day or two to do Just a to little be a zombie, turn. right? Yeah, <laughs> or to do yeah. So like Steve Buscemi is brought in to do his sputtering rage thing that he does so well you've probably seen it in Fargo and many of his other things he's an artist at it but he's done it a million times so they just bring him in and he's wearing a, one of those red make America great again caps but it's make America white again because he's supposed to be the resident um, asshole conservative in the town and he just sputters with rage everywhere in a Buscemi-esque way you've got Tilda Swinton who does her is she an alien from outer space in this case literally she is so she's wandering around with a thick Scottish accent and long bizarrely blonde hair and bizarre you know bizarre outfits um, and she's a master of the samurai sword apropos of nothing you're like okay <laughs> um, but it's very much a Tilda Swinton type of role. So you keep getting that a lot. Like people are just brought in to do what they always do um, to do it again. But, you know, since it, it was clearly Jarmusch's take on the today, it was like very off the day kind of supposedly social critics, cross social criticism, whatever, uh-huh. however dumb it is. Yasha had a funny take. I watched it with him. If Buscemi basically is a stand in for Trump, right. who, then, who then gets devoured by the zombies as right. well, even though he kind of like, no, he, well, Buscemi in the film doesn't cause the zombies, but whatever. Then Tilda is actually Hillary, <laughs> who <laughs> could have saved, I guess. If, again, since it's a liberal take, right? Jim Jarvis probably uh-huh. is a diehard liberal. So then so the only person who was like Hillary could have saved the people from the zombies because she is really good at killing them. Right. She just takes off. She just leaves. Yes, yeah, she just leaves at the crucial moment. And then, the, and then everyone else dies, right? Right. Yes. That's actually not so bad. I thought, I thought it's a funny <laughs> take. I honestly doubt that Jim w- went like thought it through like that. Like I that far. It. But no, it doesn't seem far. like it. I thought it's more straight the way you said it. Tilda had a reputation of being an alien for decades, and finally, the trope is finally like fully realized in the right. film. I guess, yeah. It's just a very zonked out, sl- super slow moving film where you wait for something to happen but i thought part of the phenomenon since i watched it in a movie theater was somewhat empty but my row was pretty full so Mm. people there were people who were laughing out loud throughout the film and i was i was bored just annoyed people were cracking up and you you had similar experience Mm. with a few people in your theater right i did so he clearly i mean what what am i gonna say yeah no and i'll i'll quote what mine was there was a row of like three kind of gray-haired middle-aged people pretty close to us and they were yeah one of them especially but all of them were kind of laughing throughout as we left the one who was laughing the most a woman as she walked by she just said in in clear great admiration she just shook her head and said 
yeah, Wi-Fi and started laughing because there's a bit in the film where zombies are staggering around with cell phones and one of them it keeps saying Wi-Fi, Wi-Fi in a zombie way because all the zombies are supposed to able be able to just speak enough to utter the word of the thing that they want most in, yeah, from and, their and old suppose, life. Yeah, from their old life. Like if you were drunk, you would be like champagne yeah, and everyone was laughing in the theater, yeah. Yeah, there's Carol Kane is in it, and she says, keeps saying Chardonnay, Chardonnay. Oh, She's Chardonnay. supposed to be an old, an old drunk who drink, drinks the worst, you know, cheap wine there is available. Yeah. Um, so, but that that this woman clearly regarded that that is like, wow, is that ever sharp satire? <laughs> like, yes, we are like zombies. We are consumers, Ooh. and we are completely possessed by our phones. Blah blah blah. And we're, we become mindless. This is like, this is so old, so. So long in the tooth, so embarrassing as an as any kind of attempt at commentary that you're right. You start thinking, okay, he's spoofing the way zombies do social commentary, but then that doesn't seem true either. He has Tom Waits in the film just as this kind of guy who lives off the grid in the woods as a kind of local, uh, you know, what people think is of as a nutcase. He lives in the woods near the town, and he at the end has a whole huge speech. <laughs> about how you know we're in this we're in this end times and you know we've done it to ourselves and these are all the ways and it's this kind of consumer culture um rip of all of us for having destroyed the environment etc and it's and it's played as if it's a serious you're just like what are you doing are you trying to be are you trying to mock the romero tradition are you trying to be somehow serious what are you, you you don't know because it's so slack as a film you can't get a call on it. No, but but I have to say it like my usual thing about like the senility. I uh-huh. actually hear. I would say I don't. I don't think it's Jarmusch demented kicking and really not. I think it just he's always been that way, and that's his <laughs> sense of humor that some people. I, I don't. Know, I guess I have a hard time calling it sense of humor, but yeah. people clearly some people really love, and I never. I never fell for him even once. Oh, what frankly. is it, the dead man? I, I never like. It's like a certain thing, and he seems to me a very kind of uh, self-created outdoor kind of yeah. just boring. Where is he from? It doesn't even matter where he's from, but he's kind of this artsy, boring guy. Yeah, he's, he's a total 80s, you know, he, he's one of the figures who come, the reason you have to even deal with him at yeah. all is because in the like the mid 80s, he's one of the main people who get big careers out of the new independent film, like coming from exactly. nowhere. One of the few. One of the few. So that's why he's literally in the history books. And you literally yeah. curse the day that I had to always have to show a clip from a Jarmusch film and just be like, ah. Um, I think I like Night on Earth. I think better than others. I can't remember. Do you remember it was like an attack? Night. I think that I sounds right. right. Is that the Winona Ryder one? Yeah, with Winona Ryder yeah, and yeah, attacks yeah. the cab. Yeah, yeah, that was a bit funny. So he wrote himself into the history of film, and that is why mm-hmm. I was a teenager when I got hold of that like hundred best movies ever something right. at at my the special kind of old movie video store in Moscow. He was on it. That's mm-hmm. why I watched like initially. Think Dead Man, and yeah, uh, yeah. and I, you know, and if you like look up to this type of list, you think, oh, I guess I don't understand something, right? And then, and then it takes your decade <laughs> or more to be like, oh, all right, <laughs> this is bullshit, right? And it was, I don't and have to. Frankly, yeah. I always hated about him that it, it seemed to me it was always smug, and other people don't agree. Other people really love his early stuff, but I was always just like, I don't know. He's a guy who does things like coffee and cigarettes, and you just yeah. get a million celebrities to come in and riff and I just there's just something in a way he's, he's just kind of like a celebrity fucker or what do you call it star fucker type because like 
this movie is also in this one you can't call it that it works but it, if it does work even a little bit just because of all the celebrities in it oh every actor if actually, apparently yeah will yeah. come and work for him for yeah. probably very little money yeah yeah. But that's what I mean. Like he had weirdly rich this reputation, and I think his shitty, snobbish screenplays. I, I think he d- does write it himself. Kind of do get, I don't know, enough of a credibility. Like, so basically, like pretty good actors do join the cast, and in, in this way, mm-hmm. somewhat save his movies, I guess. Yeah, but, oh yeah, that's why you like, go. You're like, yeah, oh, but that's yeah. what I'm saying. Like, I mean, try. He is not the guy who can actually pull off a movie with <laughs> without famous people. Almost at this because point, it's actually. Not funny. Yeah, I mean, obviously his first films, you know, didn't have. Couldn't have but I don't know, they all, they all had that kind of 90s quirk and that just just ill with irony thing that was, frankly, tiresome even then. And I was there. What um, about The Only Lovers <laughs> Love to Life? I haven't I watched seen that like one. 20 minutes of it. Oh, that's the previous one, which is funny. Okay, now it's zombies. Right before that, it was uh-huh. The uh, Vampires. Tilda oh. Swinton as a vampire. Oh. Like a very hip. Seems a very kind of... Like a hipster vampire, right? Right. Well, so this is Jarmusch. Vampire. It is. Wait, oh. is it not? Am I? Oh, I, you're probably I right. It is. Oh, I didn't yeah, realize he was tackling vampires and then zombies. <laughs> Jesus, yeah, you should. You would be. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> I think so. Yeah. Wow. Wait, I should. Ch- like, I don't want to. Yes, definitely, it's him. It okay. felt like him. I couldn't watch more than like. I don't know, 30 minutes. Oh, no. Yeah, it's him. It's him. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. But But anyway, I just realized, so since we're going to move into the other zombie films, Mm. just as a kind of genre, because you're super qualified to take them on because your dissertation, right, was sort of like on the undead. Oh, no, 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 no. That was was film noir. I did a paper on it way back when, and I taught a class on zombie film. Okay. Yeah. So that's as much credibility as I've got. You got to create a... Wait. Berkeley allowed you to create yeah. a zombie film class? Yeah, yeah. Because, well, yeah, because there was a horror film slot. You know, I taught genre stuff a lot. So, you know, zombie is a subgenre of horror. Mm-hmm. Nobody objected, and it was very popular, as you can imagine. But, yeah, what is the most infuriating to me is watching this, this being done to the zombie film, which I love. I love the zombie film. And especially to take what rem- everything that we do now tends to refer back to the Romero zombie film. Uh, there's zombie yeah. films that go before. I'll get to that in a bit. And they're very interesting and important to know about, but they were completely different. So Romero reinvents the zombie film, makes it what we now consider the zombie film. And it's an important genre. I mean, was, Romero is comes out of the, the, the late 60s with an apocalyptic vision that wouldn't seem strange to us now. He was 50 years earlier, and he's just basically saying, "We're this is we're this is the beginning of the end. We're 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 tearing ourselves to pieces. American society is shit at this point." Um, and he wanted to, to reflect that. He actually wanted to be an art film director of all things, but he couldn't get the money together. Blah blah blah. And so he decided to try to do something that he could do on the cheap commercially. And you know that's Night of the Living Dead. Um, so he's got a he's got he's using it as a way to grapple with obviously it's well known now what he's seeing is happening to um american society and it's it's a real it's a really inspired and brilliant vision that's very much on the side of the working class he he something that gets overlooked a lot in zombie films is that basically romero was on the side of the zombies um he he felt that that human society, especially American society, had gotten so awful that it needed to be displaced. 
So, and that, that, but that no one could handle what was happening and what was happening was the zombies. Um, and this becomes clear if you look at very late, um, you know, Romero films like Land of the Dead, where it's explicitly a class thing and all the working class people who are living in like slums um, around the city center, they're all zombies who have gained levels of, you know, uh, they've gained some language, etc. And in the inner, the center are, you know, the remaining humans living in high rises and they're the elite. He used to say, you know, the zombies are just our blue collar neighbors. <laughs> so, I mean, he had a, a really a radical class consciousness about the whole um, zombie film form that kind of disappeared, even as people of course worked in his the genre he defined and paid tons of tribute to him a lot of the more interesting aspects of, of the zombie films kind of fell away um, and so by the time you get to the Jarmusch film you, you don't know you're, you're just in such a rote and, and pointless uh, supposed critique it isn't even a critique and it's not even a satire of a critique it's just the, the laziest possible evocation of yeah the last line of the film is Tom Waits saying it's a fucked up world and you just want to, boy, if I could just punch Jim Jarmusch in the face, that would make me, that would be like a Christmas present for me. Um, so at any rate, the, the, there's the stakes of the zombie film are, are meant to be huge. He, he, he envisioned them in, in enormous ways. He meant in, in just even the first one, the, the 1950s one, to take on not only, you know, the death of the nuclear family, a huge critique of, you know, this, this bedrock of society that he was presenting as so fundamentally dysfunctional. You're going to wind up with the daughter, um, you know, going half zombie and, and basically killing both her parents and then cannibalizing her father and, you know, things like this, you know, put him on the map, got him huge Wait, crowds. What year, what year was that? 68. That Oh, no, no. 68 was the first. That's right. That's the that's main, night, main film. The yeah, first yeah. one. Night yeah. of the Living Dead. Right. Right. So he's he's doing that. He always would claim very weirdly that he wasn't deliberately taking on the race issue. And it just happened huh. because Dwayne Come Jones. On. I know. It doesn't make any sense. But he'd always no. say Dwayne Jones was the best actor who showed up for the role of Ben, the lead role, the guy who survives the longest. Though, of course, he doesn't survive to the end. Um, yeah, It's just even even Dwayne Jones said, I always knew. <laughs> I always knew what, what I was acting in and what the impact of it was going to be so I knew it was about race so I don't know why he, he would often claim that um, but at any rate um, yeah so he, he, so there was a del- kind of angry deliberate quality to the apocalyptic aff- affect of the film and if you remember of course it ends with Ben who's who's done everything that you could possibly do to succeed but I, you know he's he's a black guy who comes stumbling out of a house looking exhausted and frankly f- sort of zomb- a little zombified and is mistaken by a white posse and of course the deliberate evocation of you know the worst of the history of lynching and the brutalities of the civil rights movement etc are all being deliberately evoked um, at the end but there's also an attack just on humanity itself and 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 this um um, Romero just returned to in every single film, which is basically like humanity would rather die than get along. You know, we refuse to communicate. We refuse to be tolerant of each other. We refuse. So we will always doom ourselves. So every time he gets the last collection of people in wherever they are, a deserted farmhouse, a mall, a military compound, wherever it is, they're all going to basically be a greater danger to themselves and each other than the zombies are to them because they're always going to be viciously fighting um, each other. So it's a, it's a, 
it's a truly, you know, the darkest possible take on humanity. Um, True. Oh, go ahead. I kind of was curious how he, uh, I think I rewatched it again, like maybe like a year ago or more. And it was kind of surprising. It was really, like, there was a lot of, it was very inter- entertaining and, and it all takes place in one house. Mm-hmm. And there's not much like action the way they would have done it today if they were filming, right? So right. it's really all about the, the kind of... <laughs> the the interactions of the people in the house. Interaction, and, yeah. the, the dynamic of just the group, mm-hmm. which... Yeah, I don't know. Obviously, he's given credit for that, but I I almost kind of like forgot how he how he pulled it off. And the zombies—they're just sort of kind of the not the secondary thing, but it just to reflect back the dynamic of the group, which is yeah. Well, yeah, and you also have to realize you know we can't see it the way it was seen then, where the zombies dominated because all that forbidden violence and sickening eating of intestines and everything that no one had been able to see suddenly they were seeing. Um, the Night of the Living Dead is also legendary because it slipped out kind of between the rating system when they were just establishing the rating mm-hmm. system, and it played it played at regular mm-hmm. like movie matinees, and little kids saw it and were absolutely traumatized for life. <laughs> yeah, it was this just this crazy. weird flu. So this rating system was right after, okay. I know, well, we, we, we I forget, there's a longer explanation of why it, it wound up going out without an, a, a rating, a warning rating of like Now R. they would do like NC-17 or rated R, oh, right? God, or yeah. Whatever. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, Roger Ebert writes a review of like covering the film. He was just starting up as a critic and he's surrounded by little kids who are dropped off in those days you still dropped kids off at, you know, without parental supervision. And they were just crying, pale, uh, terrified, really, really traumatized. And he was just like, what the hell is happening here? Because no one expected it. Everyone just thought it was a little monster movie, like, a, you know, the 50th knockoff of Frankenstein or something that isn't even scary anymore. And so that, that just added to the legend of the film, which in fact was, you know, it was, it was a huge hipster film that played for ye- literally years at certain theaters in New York City. It got picked up by the Warhol crowd. It got picked up by the Caillou Cinema in France. And that was part of it. So it was simultaneously a kind of artsy hit and a, a dry, kind of drive-in low-rent low urban theater hit at the same time. And it just excluded the middle um, of established critics, etc. Interesting. It's funny how you said that what Romero really wanted to become as like an artsy film director yeah, instead yeah. he like filled all the boxes I mean because it became uh, yeah inadvertently and he wasn't ready at all he, it's just really fascinating to read his interviews you know as suddenly everyone wants to interview him as he's tra- kind of trying to refine what, what the film's about and what he meant to do and everything because it, it just took off in a way that I don't think he ever could have imagined or I anyone like they were the best films that's frequently like that he, like you can't plan <laughs> I think, I think especially to me, I, I've always argued that in an American film, art by accident, art by stealth can be the best way. And especially coming up through genre film, you get some of the greatest films that way. Sure. And and I feel like, again, back to Katie and Jarmusch, people like him definitely call themselves artists in a very kind of like lofty with this word. Yeah. And, the, and yeah. like clearly the worst work can come out of it <laughs> when you do that. You know, there's a similar, very similar to Peter Greenway. There's like a, a feeling of like, oh, art artist and then yes. what are you, like what are you actually producing this shit 
Yeah, it makes me, oh, it tends to make one want to run away. But it's become such a standard thing now. Like practically everyone who works in, in America in any sort of semi-creative setting declares themselves artist. an artist. First thing off the bat, it's such a weird phenomenon. It's funny. First of all, I don't know. I don't want to go deep into that. I can talk mm. at length about it. But I, it's like I feel it's some in some way, first of all, it's not for you. To decide, it's almost yes, like can be only judged afterwards. Not not afterwards, like in, after death, that too. But actually, after the post factum of doing something. So, like declaring yeah. that is just who are you to declare that? And and it goes directly against the whole tendency. I mean, it, it, you know, it's a it kind of a famous you know thing that when people were interviewing old time Hollywood directors, none and they would be all reverent and saying, "You're a true artist." Mm-hmm. So many directors wouldn't accept that they'd be like are you kidding am i at best a craftsman who's kind of a professional doing a job you know yeah. nobody wanted the title and now everybody wants the title it's a very strange yeah i um, wonder phenomenon. what's the story of it whoever knows like where like culturally where it happened that now i think you could argue that it's when a lot of people filmmakers in america got thoroughly soaked in in european art mm-hmm. cinema and that's when you really so it's again it's like the 60s you really see 60s 70s and they start going to film school as well yeah. for the first time so you, then you start to get people declaring <laughs> declaring their artistry um yeah but you know that was what was so great and powerful about the zombie film is it c- could be so intensely powerful and meaningful and uh, such an overwhelming experience those early ones that and that they were just these fairly incredibly low budget to start but always for Romero I don't think he ever got into very high budget levels Um, and yet you know they they have true profundity I think about um, the modern experience and about the the American experience the swarming killer you know instead of it being the classic there's a dracula there's frankenstein's monster there's the wolfman whatever now you've got this kind of um swarm of creatures that can only can only kill you because their strength is through collective yeah Yeah. it's a collective they 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 don't have enough strength and that's adds a level of poignance to um to the to the monsters that that is so pathetic they, they can barely move they're easy you know when you get that posse at the end of night of the living dead say yeah they go down e- easy they're dead they're all messed up you know they're just easy they're just knocking them over for recreation because once you're armed and prepared you just mow them down um and so that's when we're supposed to start feeling you know really if you haven't gotten it by then more intensely for the zombies because you're you're seeing them just being cut down by these disgusting kind of good old boy types who are enjoying it but but the massing because so that brings together two things that are important because it's going to change with 28 days later and um the fast the, so, the so-called fast zombie um that that occurs that really transforms um the zombie film because with a lot of people saying wow now it's really scary and you're like i know it was really scary before yeah and it's just in a totally different way did, i did like 28 days later but i don't like fast zombies do you because it kills the concept no way it kills the concept very much. i mean pathetic. i had I had to admit that 28 Days Later was super, super effective, and I really liked it. And I liked it for a lot of reasons. But overall, I never wanted to see anyone do a fast zombie no. movie again. Because it's kind of like, well, it's almost like zombies are like, what, like rabbit animals now. So naturally, they're terrifying. They're super fast. They're stronger than you. Um, say if you were, they were rabid wolves or something, and they will get you and chew you to pieces and blah, blah, blah. Of course, you add the the, the infection bit where you're going to then be infected and rise. That's always terrible. <laughs> But it takes away the kind of, 
what the 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 terrible halting weakness that of of the creatures that makes them you can kind of align them a little bit with the Frankenstein monster. There's something pathetic and moving about them, and they can't really Romero, like do. They can't take you on alone, which the fast alone. zombies kind of can. The fast zombie right. can actually Absolutely. act on its own, which kill again. I mean, it just changes so, the concept. So mass, you know, ma- awareness of kind of mass movement like that um, and, and its effects is a very modern concept. But there's also the very working class idea. <laughs> there's no power in one. There's mass power. And that's all the power they have. But there's something heartrending and so poignant that, of course, Romero keeps exploiting more and more as he works through to like the Day of the Dead, where you've got the, the zombie who's figured out who's a little bit advanced for a zombie, the bud bub character um and and he's 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 isolated from the zombies in that he's advanced a little bit and he's being made a human experiment by a kind of updated frankenstein's monster crazy i mean frankenstein uh uh uh, kind of mad scientist doctor figure um and so he's being kind of there's a kind of torture chamber (laughs) operation and bub is is the figure that's being trained um um to maybe recognize it recognize himself in a mirror they're trying to teach him to read and various things and of course the more knowledge he gains the more awful it is to see him sort of see see himself recognize himself as as a being That, that that just gets worse and worse the longer it goes and of course that whole movie is very much um attacking you know the 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 kind of collusion of the military and the gov and science and government and so again it's a very um Know, a very still a very currently powerful take on a horror show that is developing among these powers and at the end you know poor bub who doesn't who barely understands anything does a kind of salute um, um he's an ex-military zombie and he rem- remembers just enough to do this terrible little um salute to, to a commanding officer figure and so there's just stuff like that in there that sticks with you and is highly memorable and and that that Jarmouche doesn't seem to have any respect for this just makes me want to really it just makes me so angry this is this is one of the great um, what film developments in American history, and he just seems to think it's it's good enough for mild chuckles and time wasting, and that's all that there is, and that's really does potentially signal totally the end. If somebody doesn't do something um, to recover the zombie film, we probably have beaten it to death, well, and this is its I'm sad end. I'm developing a zombie film. Oh, that's right. Tell about Excuse it. Excuse me. <laughs> yeah, uh, you've got to save it. Yeah, you've got to save the whole thing. Well, it's a okay. foreign, it's like Russia-based zombie. Film, but it has like an I I believe at least I want to believe it has a somewhat an original take, and and also goes back I guess closer to Romero because the zombies going to be very slow and very pathetic, and in fact there are Soviet zombies, literally Soviet citizens brought to life accidentally by like a certain machine. Originally, the machine that brings them back was supposed to bring them back to enjoy the fruits of their labor that was like a communist creation and they were not supposed oh, to wow, be like that's great i'd forgotten that part that's great returned Soviet mm. citizen who would enjoy life in short right. but since they brought back and whatever the year would be when i finally made i want to make it like contemporary 2020 or yeah. something a late capitalist neoliberal russia shithole Ugh. with um the just the oligarchs <laughs> and the poor <laughs> and nothing in between pretty much and um 
the people who activate the machine by accident actually the rich kids uh, in, in mm-hmm. their country house near Moscow. So that's the main conflict is between <laughs> the zombies who we actually cheer for and mm-hmm. the little rich shitheads who are basically going to be slaughtered. That's like the short version of the narrative, but it's much more complex. There's like a sci-fi element to it. But it's but I think, again, what you said, I completely agree. And going mm-hmm. back to Romero, like the zombies have to be sort of, you have to feel for them. They're kind of weak. Yes. They're the heroes in a way. Yeah. And especially the working, especially the working, the working class, class heroes. The working class. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, and it has to, supposed to have a bit of a, sure, um, you can do a campy version of that, I think, in in a way. Sam Raimi was great with kind of taking the zombie genre, making both like fun but a bit. But but yes, still, yes. yeah, you can you can do that. But it has, I think, it has to have still to retain some sort of gravitas, at least a little bit. I I can I, I basically don't believe that you can go, and I don't want to go with my film that way. You don't have to go fully like hundred percent farce. Just what's the point? Right. I, and, you know, it, it wasn't so bad when you when the, the zombie film was so healthy that you could do schlocky, you know, deliberately hilarious schlocky horror stuff like, you know, evil, the evil deads and reanimator yeah, and that. stuff. I, I know you like Raimi and he actually the one who kind of made Coen Brothers possible. Right. Yes, so it's he like was, this, all he this was, connection. Yeah, one of their main guides <laughs> and someone who gave Joel his first job and that kind of thing. And Joel worked on Evil, on Dead. Evil Dead. Yeah, yeah. What a, yeah, what a yeah. coincidence. I know, I know. <laughs> crazy, crazy worlds collide meetings in, in, in filmmaking. Yeah, yeah. So what's your take on Ray? I guess what's your take on Ray's take well, Ray- on zombies? <laughs> oh, I don't, know. I don't know. If it, I don't even know that he has a take. I mean... It's such just hilarious good fun and that's and that's to me his a lot of his appeal is is that he he is the most like exhilarated <laughs> happy entertainer in, in the world. In his case I don't I don't care so much that's again why cr- I have hopes for crawl that that he I don't know that he cares so much um, about about anything beyond like kineticism and and you know laughs and scares and just driving them to a kind of endpoint. I mean, a great for me, what sums up um, a kind of a Raimi effect is what the Coen brothers called Sam's Ramacam, and he, what he was it was on a very low budget, and they would just connect, a, they would just attach a camera to a Broom. long plank, uh, the plank yeah, right. or a board or something. I think anything that they could balance two hunks of wood, a hunk of wood essentially, and two PAs, two production assistants on either side would run forward as fast as they could, and that would and be the evil. Yes, and you'd get this one, but th- that he invented this new shot, which isn't hard. To, you know, it's just a tough thing to do you know a long time after the experiment early experimentation of what can you do with the camera he gets this new effect of racing over the low low over the ground um that's really a powerful effect um so that kind of inventiveness with no money the kind of is just because you you've got some sense of like what will create something exhilarating and that will characterize yes evil in this case that sweeps over and takes over people and turns them into zombies if you remember Remember Evil Dead also brings Bruce Campbell into our lives. And Bruce Campbell is again exemplifies the Raimi effect. 
He's hilarious. His biography, his autobiography is called If Chins Could Kill, if you've ever seen his, <laughs> his, 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 his sticking, his cleft sticking out leading man looking chin. He looks like some ridiculous, you know, spoof of a leading man. Um, and he's, he's very, very funny. He's very up for anything. Um, he's, he's got the Raimi spirit in a lot of ways. And, and early on, the Coens had the Raimi spirit. They were all buddies. Um, you know, they, there are a lot of cross referencing in the early films you know sam raimi did a little walk on in uh, miller's crossing uh bruce campbell has a little tiny cameo in um um what is it fargo he's he's st- the star of the soap opera that's that the killers are watching that the kidnappers are watching in the cabin um so there's all this kind of uh you know crossover of of being good entertainers and tr- seemingly trying to revive that idea that there's a lot of craft and a lot of difficulty in just doing a good genre film and making it have the effects it's intended to affect to have that's hard enough as it is yeah but then i mean jarmusch is terrible at that he's terrible that's what i mean he's he won't go for the seriousness or the significance he won't go for the entertainment he won't go what is he won't go for anything clearly that's what maddens me yeah well but it's not only with the zombies like it's with anything i actually his movies like live say almost like actually to say nothing <laughs> leave no impression i don't yeah. know why they're created in the first place yes so there's kind that. of wander off and go well that happened and, <laughs> you know there's a couple of hours of my life i don't know <laughs> and i know there are fans we should really have brought someone in to defend i'm actually open to <laughs> yeah <laughs> to someone must be able to argue in his favor obviously and we're just not getting it but i know but, you know, let's quickly just talk about, like, just to, to give you a sense of why also the zombie film is important. It's really rooted in an interesting history that a lot of people don't don't know. Um, initially, the zombie film was inspired um, by um, the American military occupation of Haiti, which took place 1915 to 1934, a surprisingly long time. And, and probably one of those um, periods of history that you have never heard of until I studied the zombie film. I had never heard of it. Um, of course, America was there protecting its imperial interests. It's, you know, major control over the sugar industry in Haiti. Um, very big concern because um, a dictator they, that they that America was very much supporting had been deposed. There was also a threat of, of Germany getting in on um, getting in on the colonial action. And that was to be forestalled. So, yeah, literally the military went in, took control of the banks, the treasury, the, basically the government, everything for many years. So during during that point, that that era, suddenly there was an interest in Haiti that there never would have been, and, and various amateur um, anthropologists want, went over there and studied it, and you know in, investigated it, and and re- reported back in best-selling books. One of them was Will, William Seabrook's *The Magic Isle*. Um, another is Zora Neale um, Hurston's *Go Tell My Horse*, or no, it's just *Tell My Horse*. Um, um, and both each one has a chapter only on the zombie, but the zombie becomes the figure that in American pop culture, everyone is fascinated by. Um, there would be other, you know, you know, the rest of the books would be all about other cultural beliefs and practices and everything. But the but the zombie was the figure that caught the imagination. And pretty soon there are movies and plays and 
you know, um, what, uh, short stories and magazines and tons of things that are all about zombies. Um, and so this led to the first zombie films that are all about the so-called Haitian voodoo zombie created by a voodoo master um, who's creating essentially usually slave labor, but it's also as, as a kind of revenge or punishment for anyone who's whatever done you wrong, gotten, gotten out of line somehow. You can turn them into a zombie as a kind of vicious punishment. Um, and in fact, the, the the zombie voodoo master was often, a, it was early on the kind of supposedly the figure of the greatest fear, even more than the zombie, which is weird. What I'm, we curious, watch it now what I'm like, curious about is like, because um, I watched only parts of that white zombie, right? The first set. Yeah. Like, but like, so why is it a punishment? Because do they even suffer in that state? You know, sure. Well, no, it's it's for us looking ah. at from the outside that are horrified at the idea that you could be turned into a willless being. You will just obey command. You know, especially that horrifying scene that's taken right out of William Seabrook's account of cre- creating worker zombies. Both he he and and Zora Neale Hurston were mainly seeing um, um, workers. And so the whole association to, to colonization and slavery becomes clear. They were often indigenous members of the population. They were black and they were, of course, they had no will. All they, they had no kind of brain power beyond simple commands. All they could do was work in the fields all day or work in whatever you know, situation all day and willless, soulless, all the rest of it. So just contemplating that is horrifying. And of course, you've taken their life away. You've made them slaves, essentially, They're the ultimate slave. Um, um, because there's, mm-hmm. you can't even question it. So, it, of course, white zombie will also tell you the the the, the kind of racist um, underpinning of the terror, which is that um, mm-hmm. for white audiences, white people, you know, getting enthralled by this, the the threat that this will go beyond indigenous practice, it'll go outside, um, you know, the black Haitian population. And in effect, the colon- white colonizers, and that's what happens. And it's almost always there's always a lurid sex angle, so that there's a a very pale white blonde woman who's the object of desire, um, who who gets turned into a zombie. Um, the idea of a woman who's willless and and beautiful and prized and all this stuff. But anyone um, who, who the idea that anyone. Um, it, Meaning somebody, some member of the white elite um, could also be subject to zombification is clearly the source of the lurid terror in that movie. And to some extent, too, in I Walked with a Zombie, which is a great, it's probably the best of those Haitian voodoo zombie movies. In fact, it absolutely is. Um, It's a Val Luton um, produced um, horror film and it's gorgeous um practically poem of a film if you haven't seen it really wonderful um but it also has the the white woman who's seemingly been zombified to punish her for sex her sexual license or at least that's the that's the one of the accusations it's a very ambiguous film it never will fully com- confirm that she is a zombie but she sure is acting like a zombie and then of course there's a a, a black um indigenous zombie figure as well who's this wonderful his name Darby Jones. Um, I looked him up because I was mm-hmm. teaching a class on Luton as well, and he's he's just terrific as this zombie figure. He'll haunt your dreams. He's incredibly tall, incredibly thin, and somehow he can just keep an expression on his face and widen his eyes to the point that you, you just, ah, there's just something so iconic and haunting about this figure. And, and Val Luton was 
as far as I can tell, without him joining anything or actually being blacklisted or anything like that, it seems to me he was very much an angry lefty. And they did he and his crew did a lot of research before going into this. And they basically are making a very condemning film as far as the white colonists, which is a pretty unheard of thing to do in the 1940s. It's made very clear what the connection to slavery um, was for the figure of the zombie. Um, it's very clear that, you know, the, the whites are they their plantation owners in the in the in the film um they're they're totally heartless and unthinking about their position in society um and it's the oppressed population that is using um, these kind of powers to do get any kind of um justice or redress or ability to answer back to the power of the white colonizers so it was very literal in those early in the in the haitian voodoo zombie movie what was what was at stake in the zombie film and so when romero comes and kind of remakes it even though he he doesn't even he never cites the haitian voodoo zombie films never mentions them um but he brings in in that first film he brings in kind of racial stakes that hark back to those earlier films so that's a really brilliant thing i mean he he talks about other films that he was inspired by like what the last man on earth which is an adaptation of i am legend and then that you've got you've got vampire figures that are very weak and have to swarm in order to kill anybody um that that's a more direct film for him legacy but I'm curious, the, the uh, Haitian um, voodoo zombie film. So despite being so straight of the treatment of the social situation, they didn't like poetry. Right. It's often, in, and it's weird because it's kind of the weakness of a lot of films that try to do Romero stuff is that they'll just pick some, you know, some social problem and kind of map it on. And you're right that 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 just starts, that take on Romero has always driven me mad that that's all he's doing. He's just... Because even he seemed to buy it in his later films, and he just he started doing it more and more and in, in a more and more literal way, like he'd kind of lost the thread um because he's he's got so much else that's going on that's that's yeah. so moving and intense like the the you know just a kind of even even before we have this this apocalyptic sense that the end is near he seemed to be dealing with the phenomena of death that's coming for all of us we're all being drawn into this maw of that's going to absorb all of us you know that really moving scene john dolan our friend of ours and the Warner always calls out in, in Dawn of the Dead where everyone else is talking about the mall and, you know, it's a rip on consumer culture as zombies are moving, you know, pushing shopping carts around just like we do in life and blah, blah, blah. You know, he would talk about the, 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 the guy, one of the main characters who's been bitten and knows he's going to die. And he, and he says, I'm going to try and will myself not to come back as a zombie. So I'm going to work as hard as I can. And I, and so this guy has this touching belief that somehow his spirit, <laughs> um, his, 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 his self, his consciousness, his will can be enacted post death, which is a very kind of Judeo Christian thing, even though that that's not explicitly evoked, but that he really thinks he can will himself to do this. And of course his friend just sits by him and waits and, you know, 10 seconds after he's dead, his, his eyes open and, and the friend has to shoot him. Um, so this sense of, of, of the overpowering quality of death that's drawing us all over this, all, all over this ambiguous line into something, <laughs> into something other. It seems to be, it's really getting into this kind of absolute bottomless horror that, the, that makes those early zombie films so fill the imagination 
Um, so this it's it's not just God. Yes, our our colonial, our racist heritage, the various social ills. That's a big part of it. Um, we've done a lot to destroy the world and the society we make, and we do it over and over again. But there's there seems like there's more to it than that. Yeah, speaking of the zombie genre, where does um and not necessarily socially conscious or anything. I I remember liking years ago when I watched the Brain Dead by Peter Jackson. Uh-huh. Does it fit in it? Because it kind of stands out. It's neither this nor that. I, I just remember it being hilarious. It is. It's, it's the, in, rat, the rat yeah, monkey. Yeah. It's in the hilarious, yeah, pure entertainment schlock line um, that gets funnier and funnier <laughs> but, and hits a kind of peak at Peter Jackson's brain dead. You know, Peter Jackson isn't shouldn't only be known for Heavenly Creatures, which is his best film. Brain Dead yeah, is but very good. Dead. You know, that was how I found out about Peter yeah. Jackson again through the list. I think, it's very films. hilarious, and he's really again ripping into the culture of New Zealand, which is super, you know prosaic and provincial and worships authority you know there's all this worship of the royal family you know the queen's picture is oh, on the wall that too all right oh, oh yeah that's all, right. all in there too um you know the really hidebound um mother who's the the mother who becomes mm-hmm. the monster you know the monster zombie um who's keeping her son from from marrying you know so there's all this stuff with um you know just utter sexual propriety that's life killing and how the son is going to have to of course destroy his mother in a very satisfying <laughs> you know it's, it's what the, the claim to fame is that it, it takes gore to a kind of point of of just hilarity it's so excessive and at one point he's he's got a lawn he's wielding a lawnmower <laughs> that's running and he's holding <laughs> it up and just mowing <laughs> mowing through zombie flesh until there's just like you know gallons of goop all over the floor <laughs> uh, and it just keeps going on it's, it's very inventive in its way of uh, <laughs> of of handling special effects uh, yeah of special yeah. effects um, from what 1980 yeah, something everyone I think it's like oh brain dead I think early 90s oh, is it early? I think oh, it's oh, early it was that late I can check yeah, yeah. No, no, no! It's okay. early '90s, but it's like all done by hand. It's right. amazing. It's like in in camera special effects, right? Exactly, which are captivating. Yeah, <laughs> the rat monkey that uh, Peter Jackson clearly created as a like almost like a, a toy. I don't know. <laughs> I it's I can't. It's unforgettable. Yes, it's this, it's, it's, this, it's this remarkably hideous little <laughs> gnarled. With, with with huge fangs uh, um, monkey that that is the, the the bite of which creates the the first zombie I guess it's clearly ref- yeah it's clearly referring to a kind of our our era of disease you know horrors that are coming from exotic places I guess but you know it also reflects like there always has to be some ridiculous specious reason why the zombies might have come to be um, even Jarmouche keeps that going he's what has he got the pulp the polarities have are reversing in you know the oh, earth's yeah. polarities and that's what's causing the dead to rise and of course you know uh, uh romero's was there was a venus probe <laughs> in outer space that may have somehow caused it you know there's always some kind of a semi-absurd reason so he really doubles down on the on the on the vicious rat monkey <laughs> the bite that spells it just looks very like funny i don't know oh, scary yeah but scary funny. but funny is a good and that's you know the, the how the whole movie works it's all supposed to be both yes. scary and and you just start and I I couldn't do it in recent years, but when I first taught the zombie oh. film, I showed that movie. And it's a bit it's bad so taste. bad taste and humorless, that? which is why I loved it. But you just could no longer show so many things because people can't 
couldn't handle it or you felt like they might not be able to handle it whatever but yeah you did show it and people were just rolling in the aisles laughing yeah, <laughs> yeah. so peter jackson he was once very very brilliant and god knows what happened to him yeah, what happened? Do you think like big budgets kill him, killed him? <laughs> yeah, it seems like Hollywood respect and big budgets um, were the end. Yeah, Jackson. Yeah, it's too bad. So bizarre how it that really can't turn to it. It is. It really is. <laughs> but it does happen to all this like foreign auteurs that always like if they're really good, they always get to be invited to Hollywood at least to make a few mm-hmm. movies or more, and they stay. And those who stay, they kind of get flattened out very often. It becomes just straight Hollywood schlock mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. with a bit of a flavor left probably but yeah but it just because they basically lose whatever <laughs> they actually had well it, it feels that i way. think the special danger is to really settle down right in and around hollywood and la that just seems like death oh to settle like you mean to Stay be in physically that in that area even though the industry is so old-fashioned at least last i checked that they really make it a mandate they want to see you in person they won't do it online why is that you have to live there well it's just like to take meetings and stuff you know um, at least when i was there they, they they made such a deal of that that i had friends who were trying to be screenwriters and they literally were in you know orange county somewhere okay and it, phones weren't good enough <laughs> it was like you had to take the meetings you had to be in the room i guess that makes sense and, yeah but i'm talking about even not the ones who are like aspiring but once no, but you're I mean, making stuff and get invited to the center of the empire but, you kind of i like guess go that's down. what i'm referring to is is that there's a there's a there's a kind of quality to it being a, an old-fashioned industry town where people just settle right uh-huh. down and stay there and it's crazy and get and boring, get boring and they, they all talk to each yeah. other and that's why they all think their plastic surgery looks good and natural because they are all have plastic surgery so they they only and look the at each doctor. other i swear to god that's it's, it's that's a phenomena of why do you all live right there you could fly in <laughs> and take your meetings yeah which is interesting you, you um out of the newcomers mm. from like foreign land i really love the um ne- oh god who made district nine in a you know, I'm oh, talking yes. about. Oh yes, who right? is now Neil, Neil Bloomkamp? Who Bloomkamp? Yeah, he he moved in and moved the hell out, <laughs> which well, I guess Elysium failed and probably Chappie. killed him. Chappie was the very successful. <sighs> yeah, it wasn't like fanatic, but I still I had bits that I really films. liked very much. I'm still a I'm still a diehard. I I thought he was. Now everyone will say I'm he was never fan. good, and I'm like bullshit. Uh, excuse District me, District Nine bullshit, was great. Yeah. And there were bits of at least him was good. good. And no, but we're it just people don't get it. They don't get the the real sci-fi film with a heart. No. I- <laughs> Oh yeah, Chappie was it. Like I, I, yeah, I felt like I was. It was like I remember Yasha liked it, and I was so happy. I was like, really? Because I that's, liked oh, it. We're fine. the only two people. Um, you know, it was a mess, but still, it really had something. But Elysium, for instance, I did love. Like, I mean, not just like moments. Mm-hmm. I did love it. It was about like healthcare, but it was fun. And um, I think it totally failed everywhere. Oh, it did. Like Rotterdam. What has happened to know. him? I thought is he just. Is oh, it yeah, that's why, uh, why I even brought him uh, into conversation is because he's the guy who moved to Hollywood and then moved the hell out back to, back. Uh, I don't know, Vancouver. Vancouver, I think, British Columbia. Because he's from South Africa, Africa, right? No, no like, I think initially only as oh, a child. As a child. He's, Canad- okay. he's Canadian. Yeah, he was lucky to have that South, it sounds weird, South African experience to get like perspective on life that is oh you get that perfect setting that johannesburg setting couldn't have been better i find him still very interesting i mean he makes this he has his own production oh, great. company he's still and working you can, some of the 
Yeah, and I think he totally made some money in Hollywood, even though some of the movies didn't do that great. <laughs> but he makes this, like, uh, you can follow him. He even, like, uploads the little short uh-huh. films on YouTube for free. I don't know how it all works. He keeps kind of pushing the special effects in mm. a certain direction because I think that's his big thing and uh, he posts some of the short films with like interesting special oh, effects. Oh god, I've got to look into that. Has he made any has he made any features mm. from Canada? Uh, that I don't uh. know of. I only saw shorts god, yeah, which are kind of like experimental. I've rarely seen with pretty interesting monsters. Oh, the monsters are pretty inventive. I don't want to like whoever's interested should google it yeah. but um but, but yeah, yeah it's rare that you see someone get killed that hard by Hollywood. He was just he went from the top to just like crucified. That was terrible. Very fast yes. too. Actually didn't take many years, which makes me think he's probably a good guy. <laughs> probably. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so uh, we were talking about Zombie and Peter Jackson. But yeah, but Peter Jackson stayed and just became yeah. Well, even know, though supposedly what, he goes, back, he goes back and tries to do work in New Zealand all the time. He's got his own, you know, what is it called, Weta. He's got those superb facilities that are so great that, you know, people come from miles around. In, back in to New do, Zealand. Yeah, to do huh. post-production. And so he tries to work in New Zealand a lot, actually, but it hasn't helped him. I, I don't know. I think he just got too rich and too famous. <laughs> too rich, too, off, fa- too, too comfortable. Lord of the Rings, and that was it. Yeah. Getting too comfortable yeah. <laughs> is not good. Yeah. Yeah. And saying you <laughs> that, identify with the hobbits. That was the first sign. <laughs> the comfortable oh, people in the Shire. <laughs> and you're like, really? Okay. Yeah. So zombies, I think we're done. Our, our, unless we have are there final things to yeah, say about zombies. We're kind of done. I think we talked briefly even a few weeks ago. The zombie genre now, even outside mm. of the horrible Jarmusch thing, is very ironic comedies. Because yeah. they, they keep making I, I can find warm bodies. I looked that oh, one yeah. up. Oh, God. Uh, basically... The yeah, this ironic no, they zombie thing is big, and it feels like people who take it on frequently tends to be their directorial debut, and it's like they might not know what they want to make, and that's like a sure mm-hmm. genre thing. Yeah. Seems that way. There was Pride and Prejudice and zombies. And oh, that's right. Bodies. That's right. Did you see that? I did. One? It was terrible. It was kind of funny, oh, well, no? It was terrible. I, mean, okay, I only saw a trailer. Oh, the trailer, the trailer was trailer. good. And the idea yeah. seemed funny. But when you have to stretch it out to, it's it's they're going to do the whole plot of Pride and Prejudice. And it gets dumber and dumber as it goes, unfortunately. But then it fits my bill what I kind of suspected with like uh, this film Warm Bodies, which is almost like Romeo and Juliet, yeah. a zombie sort of like a, a sort of a take on it. It's not really Romeo and Juliet, but um, that it's, it's sort of people who don't know exactly what the hell they want to do and they want to do a genre mm-hmm. film because it's sort of an easier thing but then the zombie is kind of such an uh i guess they hope it's like a has a, an inbuilt audience Absolutely. or something of that kind that's like right. it's going to be popular you anyway. can just add, and, add and the, zombies because yeah. there's such affection for zombies there's just exactly so, like with Shaun of the dead being a cult film that the people adore because the Shaun of the Dead adores zombie films and so everyone's like Shaun of the Dead there's literally a zombie day I think it's in San Diego it's my students told me Mm -hmm. about it where once a year everyone gets to dress up as zombies and wander around because there's so much affection for the figure of the zombie which also means it it's probably become pretty toothless it's toothless. That's what I said. Well, it's not for the working. It's not for the people. It's like it's toothless. It means nothing now. It seems like, yes, it's part of the beating to death. Even though Walking Dead was this huge phenomenon. I, I hated Walking Dead and couldn't watch it. I only watched like two episodes. I, I didn't watch it. Really detested it. But um, And it seems like you're just do- creating now. It's sort of like, and zom- again, you just add zombies. Like it was all this human drama that was interminable. People talking about their yeah. goddamn relationships and uh, my wife. 
<laughs> blah, blah, blah. She never can remember to turn out the lights. Just like these idiotic like conversations and, and romances and who's cheating on who. And then you just add in zombies. Yeah, it's all garbage. Oh, but I yeah. hated it so much. But well, hopefully there might be some revival. Well, actually, guess, guess what's, what's, what's supposedly in the works. Danny Boyle is supposedly going to do 28 whatever years later. There is Ooh. talk of reviving it. I admit I didn't see 20, 28 months later. I don't know if you did. I didn't see it so either. So I don't mm-hmm. know how well to judge whether I should be looking forward to that or not. I don't but know. since we just ripped into Danny Boyle for yesterday, I don't know. Is he up to the 28 days later standard anymore? It's hard to imagine. There should be someone who like kind of would look uh, the way Romero did when he was younger with his first film, could look a bit like deeper into the <laughs> fabric of life. Because right before recording, right, we talked about San Francisco yeah. where you used to live and now I'm like here for over a month. It's like the homeless population yeah. is huge and the and People treat, I mean, they do look a bit like zombies, but it's more like also people treat them and look at them and sort of, or don't look at them at all, actually. Mm-hmm. And it's like, they're almost like a different species, which I think, I mean, I'm not talking about specifically this situation that should inspire a film, but definitely there's a certain different feel than ironic comedy that should be, I think, around the subject. Really, you think of, of ironic? Oh, that would be rough, wouldn't it? Do you think? What do you say? No, not, not to have oh, the no, ironic that, touch. You. No, no, there shouldn't totally be an serious. ironic comedy feel to yeah. that, because it just doesn't feel right. It, it, not from a moral perspective, it's just it's not really not reflecting on anything. Oh no, I think that's the the most obvious zombie film you could make right now. Because I, of course, also just moved out of Oakland and and just saw the same thing. Homeless population in California in all the major cities is just doubling and tripling and quadrupling. I forget. I think it was San, San what was it? San Jose's population, homeless population is up 42% in the last couple of years. It's just, it's just crazy. It's like the richest kind of yes. state. And the cities, <laughs> or neighborhood yes. of city in the world. Where tech money yeah. is off the charts and all you've got all the tech moguls who are always claiming that their technology is going to be revolutionary and do great things for people. And and they are the most cruel, the most callous, the most determined to have, you know, homeless people just be vermin. <laughs> and, you know, literally there yeah. was a big scandal in, I think it was in San Francisco, where where um, people were saying, I shouldn't have to see that on my way to work. And so the idea came to, of like, you, somehow you should find a a way to to route the rich tech types to work and to their homes without their having to gaze upon um, the Jesus. suffering. And it's just like, it's gotten so bad there. It's it's, it's truly shocking. It's just like and it's, the yeah. numbers. And that's the place that I can actually sort of at least have. We definitely know they have the resources oh God, to sort of absolutely. help that. It's not it's incredible <laughs> wealth right next to incredible poverty. And, and incredible I have to say, poverty. Some for some reason in San Francisco, I saw I saw the the condition of the homeless people was the worst I had ever seen in my life. I literally thought these are people who are right next door to death, like now. In terms of the, just, just like they're possessed, just like how bit up yes, they look, you mean that? Yes, and and just lying on the sidewalk. And I was I happened to to get there at a time when it was rush hour, and people would literally just step over, <laughs> you know, just one after another, that lying full out like desperately emaciated and just uh, it, it, in summer like in the city yes actually. and admittedly it was it was in the it was right on the edge of the tenderloin which has always been a rough okay. area but still I just had never seen not anymore really yeah, yeah. not anymore exactly but it's <laughs> that's that's true yeah and it seems like taking that 
taking seriously what you're seeing um, would would get you there. I don't know. I know. And it's, it's cynical to think about like, oh, uh, what an inspiring kind of place for the uh, zombie film. Obviously, there should be some real actions, not just films made out of it. But it's truly kind of almost, uh, I've never been to South Africa and Johannesburg, but, but it should be closer to to that at this point now here you know and it's like uber educated community mm. and uh, well i guess the difference is the homeless people are not all like black here you know it's not like a pure racial divide mm-hmm. the way i guess it johannesburg mm-hmm. it actually is yeah but it does seem like there's the, 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 there's just this this invisibility thing you were mentioning where just like people have just trained themselves to look the other way and how is there a way you can in any way make it the invisible visible again but you're right you'd have to have somebody really inspired and i don't know that doesn't look likely right now i know well it's like on a sad note but um yeah who knows i guess if someone actually was running on this platform i mean but then people are pretty actually right wing here so this platform probably wouldn't help a person to be elected right yeah is homelessness even an issue that anyone is talking about i mean there's there's stuff about housing which is Good. Yeah, yeah, they're like, but, everyone cares that, oh, things are getting expensive, but um, for you, but then, sure, but what about the underclass? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I actually, you're right, I don't think it's much of a kind of like an issue outside of the fact that I hear people like being unhappy to mm-hmm. be forced into seeing it from the corner of their eye. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just, cra- it's actually crazy to go to complain of that, about that. <laughs> right. I know we're we're in a weird such a weird time when when you don't even know where to look for what what's the worst thing happening around you. It's so bad, and I'm laughing because I don't know what else to do. But anyway, let's stick with movie. All right, Hi. all right. So uh, yeah, you're finally settling in your yeah, new I'm home. Trying. I'm surround. I'm sitting surrounded, totally surrounded by boxes at this point. So that's what I'll be doing until we meet again. Unpacking. When we're recording next, I think I'll be in LA. We'll oh. we'll go to LA okay. from here. So I'll report. Perfect. As long as we maintain the bi-coastal <laughs> oh, madness. Oh, yes. 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 We never can be on the same never. coast. Never. <laughs> can be the same. Longer than like a right. week. That's it. That's our rule. Too small for both of us. All right. right. We each need our own coast. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, okay. We'll get back with something new. And exciting next time hopefully next time so stay i don't know that's i don't want to say stay tuned by the way but yeah why not it's retro bye bye <laughs>